When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. In school, it's just not encouraged. We're crying out for young people to do apprenticeships. What you need to do is be on my side. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. They sent me on for psychiatric assessment, and they said that the thing that's going to fix it is housing. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. It's the 1st of September, the first day of autumn. The first day of six months that I dread weather-wise. Hopefully the weather will hold for at least today and maybe into tomorrow. The experts telling us that maybe come mid-September we might get one last lash of a late summer, which would be nice. First of September means, of course, it's 56 days to the jazz weekend. It's 110 days to the shortest day of the year 114 days 114 days to Christmas yes and 180 days to the start of spring when the mornings start getting long again and the evenings start getting long again 1st of September 1st of autumn if you like it you like it I don't because it means winter's coming but uh, it is what it is good morning to you 0818 96 96 96 the number the text to WhatsApp 083 396 The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Coming up, the story behind this. Oh. Open the door. Do you not realise? Cassie. No. Cassie. No. Do you not realise? It's a lovely story. Lovely, lovely story. Four million views on TikTok for that video. Also, did anybody get caught out with those runners from our trainers from Brown Thomas yesterday? Um, there was a lot of controversy when Brown Thomas said, actually, lads, there's been a mistake here. We, we can't sell them to you for that price. There's been a mistake. Lots of people claimed that they should have been entitled to keep the runners and people wondering what the law is. But was anybody caught out with it? yesterday, having bought these uh, Veja runners, is that what they call them? Veja runners uh, for way, way lower than they should be costed and then Brown Thomas said, hold on, our mistake, our mistake we, we 
can't let you have them at that price. Anybody get caught up in that? 0818 96 96 96. This came up yesterday in conversation. Uh, talk about the cost of living and the increase price of electricity and gas and storage and cools and coolers and things in a pub or a restaurant. And I was reading a piece where they did a comparison with the price of Guinness. So they did the price of a pint of Guinness. And they said if the average publican was to apply the cost of energy and all those things that are going up to the pint of Guinness... It would cost between 25 and 28 euro for a pint of Guinness. And then I was listening to a discussion on a British radio station uh, of a guy who had um, a bistro, a you know, gastro pub in Liverpool. And he said, the way things are going, if I was to impose every price hike on the customer, it'd be 47.50 for a cheeseburger, which of course is totally unsustainable. But there's a serious side to that in that there's now a genuine fear a genuine fear that dozens and dozens of pubs will A, have to work on very short hours over the winter. Some may close and never open again. Some may only be able to open for a couple of days a week. And there's a major change coming in our pub and restaurant sector, particularly pubs, because of the cost of living and cost of energy crisis. Michael O'Donovan joins me from uh, Castle Inn and, of course, VFI here in Cork. Michael, that is a genuine fear among your members. Good morning. It's the stark reality of it the last couple of weeks. You know, we've, we've, we've survived the pandemic. We've come out of it. We've had a staffing crisis. We're starting to, you know, see light at the end of the tunnel of the staffing crisis. And now we're heading into an energy crisis, a cost of living crisis. And it's just come... You know, we're we're after taking one blow after the other, and this one seems to be the one that's going to be the um, the final nail for us, really, because we've seen energy bills go from you know average pubs around four hundred euros per month to you know some have gone to nearly four thousand euros a month. Others have gone, if they're not doing food, somewhere in the region of eighteen hundred a month to nineteen hundred a month, and it's just unsustainable, you know, in the long term because we've seen energy being somewhere around 2 to 4% of your turnover and it's now gone to 7 8% of your turnover and when you're making you know most most people at the moment are operating on single digit profit and when you see that it's really taking it from the bottom line and what the most worrying thing is you know we've we in the Vintners Federation had an affinity deal with Electric Ireland uh, for a couple of years and for the last 12 months they have they haven't renewed our affinity deal because well, they what just was an affinity deal an affinity deal was where we had a set rate uh, for say group purchasing across our federation uh, that members could sign up to okay. and they were guaranteed every month that they knew um, that they were on 14 to 16 cents a unit depending on the size of your premises at the moment the the variable rate for premises is in the region of 36 to 55 cent a unit. So That's treble you, the price. You can see how the prices have gone up and like uh, DSB or Electric Ireland and other providers have, haven't been able to uh, give us a, an affinity deal for our grouping because they've said they just don't know what it's going to be in the next three, six months. So it's a major concern and look for us heading into the winter. I think we've been very lucky in the summer 
we've been a bit shielded from it because of the fine weather. Yes. You know, we're not using our heating, our lights. Generally, you know, you wouldn't have your full lights on till nine o'clock at the moment. So, you know, during the day, you're 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 able to save energy. Um, but from now on, as, as you said there in your introduction, you know, it's the first of September. Give it another two or three weeks. The heating will be going on. Give it, uh, you know, the the nights will be closing in. The lights will be going on at five o'clock in the evening. Mm. Uh, energy bills will start going up, and we'll even see bigger increases. And I suppose the most worrying thing is the variable rates that they're talking about. They look, we saw yesterday prepay power increasing, electricity were the other day. Um, it's all only going one way, which is up, which is 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 going to be a, a major issue. Yeah, you see. I, I think the comparison with the price of a pint of Guinness was the scary one that I read, certainly. Someone said if you were to translate the way energy has gone up and the way the cost of living is projected to rise, you'd be looking at €25 Euro to €27 Euro for a pint of Guinness, which we all know, Michael, is utterly and totally unsustainable. It is, and look, we've seen our energy increasing, as I've said, four to five-fold, you know, from where we were in 2019 to where we are today. Um, and, like, if we had to, as you said, increase um, our sales points by that point, you know, it's unsustainable. And, you know, what we've seen, even as people are getting, I suppose, you know, uh, domestic customers are seeing their bills going up, their disposable income is going down. So increasing prices has been a real challenge, you know. But we've seen everything from chicken to beef, you know, to vegetables. Everything has gone up in the last couple of months. So, you know, trying to hold your price point as as what it is, it's only eating into the bottom line. And that's where people are coming under severe pressure at the moment and going forward. Um, You know, it's inevitable, I think, uh, heading into the winter months that on the leaner days or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, people will have to make a big decision on whether they open with and it will be the energy um, costs will be the decisive factor because people have to work out is it viable for them to open those days or to stay closed. Are are we looking at places opening, Michael, on the basis of known footfall? Like, we know we'll be busy on Thursday, so we'll open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we could might close at 6 o'clock Sunday because everybody's gone home. Are we going to go to that? If if it continues the way it is at the moment, it's it's inevitable that that is going to happen. So, like, we've, we had meetings last week and we had discussions yesterday with, uh, with government ministers, you know, and we're, I suppose, pinning a lot on what happens on the 27th of this month on the, on the budget day because... That will give, I suppose, direction of what's going to happen and what supports they can put in place. What do you want to happen? I mean, I know there's been talk about cutting the excise. Yeah, look, that, that's one of a suite of measures we're asking for. Uh, one thing, unfortunately, uh, where we are right now isn't probably going to uh, solve the problem. It's going to have to be a suite of measures, you know, like the 9% VAT rate uh, is supposed to end next February, you know, just when places come out of winter slumber for a lot of them, you know, that needs to be extended. Uh, the excise duty, we've asked for 7.5% to be taken off it. Um, the excise, because we're the second highest in Europe, to bring us more in line with the rest of Europe. Um, for, in budget day and supports are crucial like you know energy supports uh, for what's going through the winter and you know something like maybe a rates rebate on your energy if um, if, if, if it's come to something like that because businesses won't survive if this is what's going to uh, continue in the next six months yeah. Would you be more worried Michael about the future of some of your member pubs than you would have been say mid-pandemic? In this right now, absolutely. This is, you know, pandemic, we were closed. Um, 
even though we had outgoings, you know, we had some support from the government, which was very welcome. Uh, people knuckled down, people were able to, you know, switch off the lights um, and get through it. This is something while we're open and working, we're seeing our businesses, you know, crippling before us. So this is probably more worrying and more scary than what we endure during the pandemic, because this is like the pandemic. It's unknown. We don't know what's going to happen in the next four to six months. That, I think, is the most frightening bit. I mean, even just as a householder, you're kind of looking at the winter budget and going, OK, just how, just how much is my, my gas bill going to be for the coldest couple of months? Just how much is my electric going to be for the, win- for, for the heart of winter? And, you know, if you look at your bills over the last new few years, you could usually project, if you were any good at maths, you could project to a fair estimate. You can't do that for a household now. So how the hell are you going to do it for a business? Yeah, and look, that's part of our, our problem as well, PJ, is that people domestically can't uh, calculate that. And then that has a knock-on effect on their disposable income that they go out to spend. You know, and that's where we're getting it on both sides because if people haven't, uh, I suppose, the, you know, the, the money to go out to enjoy themselves, to, to, you know, to entertain friends and go out and have a good night out, be at dinner and have a few drinks, you know, we're getting it on the turnover side where they're not going out and spending what they used to spend and our costs are increasing. So it's the, you know, it's, it's the perfect storm at the very wrong time for us at the moment. Lastly, and I'll bring this one up because if I don't, somebody will. Michael O'Donovan, some people might say this is the publicans getting a taste of their own medicine. They've been ripping us off for years. Yeah, look, some people would say that, but look, we've been for, I'd say, the last 10, 20 years, you know, um, earning, I suppose, very small margins. You know, it's um, it's just a, a case of we're only making a living. You know, there's no publicans I see, you know, doing 10 holidays a year or doing anything like that. It's, um, it's, it's a vocation now at this stage rather than, you know, ripping people off. We offer great service. Mm. And, you know, look, there's price points all over the city. If you go to different venues, there's different price yes. points for what everybody wants to go and do. So, you know, I think the city offers magnificent value for money and, you know, great, um, great opportunities and great places to go every different night for people. So if people feel that they are, I suppose, being ripped off in, in a venue, you know, vote for your feast. There's other places that you can go to and, and other places that will look after you and be very thankful for taking your, you know, money and giving you a good experience for that. And as I say, Michael, I put that question to you because if I don't, somebody will. Thank you, Michael O'Donovan, the Castellan and of course the VHI, or the VFI, VFI rep in Cork. 0818969696. We could seriously be looking at that where your local only opens Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or might only open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Who knows? 0818 96 96 96. <laughs> my, my slip of the tongue on VHI. Someone said, yeah, they're getting a taste of their own medicine. No page. Cork's Gold Imro Award winning sports show. Right, right here, right there. The score on Cork's 96FM. Join me, Trevor Welsh, Sundays from 2 for the best music mix and all the latest sports as we focus on a busy weekend of Gaelic Games action and we bring you reaction to Cork City versus Longford Town and Cove Rambler's trip to Treaty United. Right here, right there. Join Trevor Welsh for the score this Sunday from 2 p.m. on Cork's 96FM. Mind you, when you look at it with regard to, to pubs, there are some pubs 
and you wonder why they open at all on a Monday or a Tuesday. It must be cheaper for them to open than to stay closed because the place to be completely and totally empty. You'd still have, and particularly in rural areas, you'd have pubs that would be just empty, like a graveyard in the middle of the afternoon. So it's not sustainable for them to open. So I think we could be looking, I think we could be looking at a winter where your local is only open on a Friday and a Saturday and Sunday or a Thursday and a Friday and a Sunday. On the pub's problems, I can understand it, says this, says Tim Brosnan, but it's difficult to continue subsidised VAT or reduced excise. Like city retailers fighting online sales, the vintners need to change their model of operating. They don't pay staff well in many cases. One publican was wishing that COVID continued. Well, we know who that was. Less, best, best, less said the better, Tim, about that one. Uh, they ain't a credible lobby. Any resources must go to the young, the elderly, and people with special needs. Tim, you make about a valid point because there are those who would say that the pub is a luxury. And it is for those of us who go there and enjoy a pint and a bit of grub and socialising and all that. So it is a luxury. But for the people working in them and the people who own them and the people who try to make a living out of them for their families, then it's a necessity for them. But good point. Good point. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Here's a, a lovely little clip. Open the door. Do you not realise? Cassie. Cassie, do you not realise? What? Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Shannon, had any idea when you were taking this video that it would hit, is it four million plays on TikTok? It's crazy. No, I didn't at all. I didn't think I just was uploading the video that meant something to us. And it's just crazy and it's still blowing up. It's just, Mm. it's mental. For people who haven't seen it, let's just describe it. So you give Cassie, what age is she, by the way? She's nine. She's nine. You give Cassie the keys. Yeah, what I was after doing is I was after collecting the keys that morning and I was after putting a picture of her on her communion on it which I thought that when I handed them to her that she'd look at the picture, yeah. but she didn't. And I told her that we were going to a friend's house, like, and when she went to open the door, I was like, hello, do you realise? And then it kind of took her a few seconds, like, but she realised. And it was just crying then, even when we were inside the house, she was just crying every room she went into. And she was just... And emotional. <laughs> How long have you been waiting for this moment? Nine and a half years. Wow. I went on the list when I was pregnant. And yeah, I was living in my apartment uh, for eight and a half years. Right, right. Do you know, I know, there, I know there's worse people out there than me, like, but this was just such a special moment and such... She's just... Over the moon is crazy. Yeah. I still can't believe it, to be honest. She's never had a forever home. No, because, like, obviously, being in an apartment, you can't decorate, you can't do nothing, really. Hmm. You just had kind of... So, like, 
she've always talked about what colour she wants to her room and the two of us have kind of always kind of talked about it our dreams didn't think that it would come true to be honest and it's more than I would have asked for like yeah she'll have a garden she'll have her own room she can paint it and colour it whatever she wants exactly tell me a bit about her oh well she's out first day of school now to say first first class or no not first class fourth class fourth class um She's just, she's just brilliant. She's like my little best friend. Mm. Two of us have a bond that's crazy. You'd think that we were best friends instead of mother and daughter half the time. Yeah. yeah. But she's just... You have the image of one another, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I, I was going through your, your Facebook this morning and I, they're the bop off each other. <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> She is. She's a she's a brilliant child. I can't like she's just brilliant. Mm. How surprised were you when it all started to to go a bit mad on TikTok? I was I was so surprised. Like what was kind of after happening is that I had an old TikTok and it was up in that TikTok, mm. but I made a new one and re-uploaded it, and then like boom, boom. I'm like literally boom, like yeah. It's just it's so. I'm still in shock, like, and it's like... Like, there's influencers, Shannon, who, who make a living off TikTok who don't get four million views per video. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, because I didn't kind of have a clue about TikTok. It was actually my daughter who actually kind of, like, I just put it up. And then Cassie was like, Mom, did you see the views? Mom, did you see the likes? And I'm like, what? What are you on about? Because mm. I was after going to sleep that day, like... yeah. And she was like, did you see it? And I looked at it and I was like, oh my God. And that was only when it was at, like, I think 100,000. Right. And I was like, what? And then, like, it's still going, I just, it's crazy. Yeah. That our, me and her, like, that this one video of our special moment is gone viral. It's crazy. Is it that it's so human, so ordinary? Do you think that's what it is? Yeah, I think it was. And the funny thing is, is that I had, to, like, I was saying if I ever, ever did get a place, that that's the way I would do the video. Mm-hmm. And before I actually brought her down after school, there was there was two men checking the boiler and stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, they're going to ruin the video now that I have planned. Yeah. But they were gone by the time I came down. But it's just crazy that I had it planned mm-hmm. for so long that that's the way I wanted to do it if I ever was... To get a place. And and for yourself, Shannon, how much does this mean to have your own place for you and your little girl where you each have your own room in your own home? It's it's so I, I'm so grateful. My mum always says, What is far I won't pass you by and I'm telling you this is more than I could ever imagine. Like it's just it's crazy how much I appreciate what I have mm. and how happy we are here and it's down the road from her school. She can literally walk to school by herself. Like my mum's is only around the corner. My sister is only over the road. Mm. It's just, it's just, I still can't believe it, to be honest. When you got the call to mm. say it's yours. Oh yeah, oh, oh, it was crazy. I was after getting a call first to update my file and I was like, right. I'll update my file and then it was when I got that call for to come down and view it 
I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I was in the middle of town. I had to drop the bags. And I was just like trying to gather myself inside town. People were probably looking at me saying, what is wrong with this one? But I was just like, then I was trying to ring my mom, my dad, my sisters, just trying to, oh, I couldn't gather myself. I was crazy. And when you got there, like what expectation had you before you saw it? I, I didn't expect anything to be honest not as what like because even when you're walking up to where I live now it's like it looks tiny but then you go in and it's actually it's big I wasn't expecting and like it, it, the funny thing is is that there's like a wall outside my door and that's where I used to hang around kind of in a sense yeah. so it's crazy because it's just mental yeah and I see they're reading about you as you moved in with your little girl and you have your forever home, you're, you're thinking, Shannon, of the, the hundreds more who who would are living for a moment like you had. Yeah, oh, exactly, 100%. As what I said, like, I know I'm. there's worse people out there for me, but it's just this moment to make other people smile and us smile is just brilliant. Hmm. And for those who are waiting and stuff, like what is meant for you I won't pass you by my mum always said it and that's what I stick to because yeah. I wouldn't have gotten this without it to be honest it's, it's a bit like my little motto that I live by all the time you know everything will be okay in the end and if it's not okay it's not the end it's kind of the same thing exactly and here 100% you are. yeah and, and here you are it's crazy thrilled for you and you know I'm, I'm a hardened old devil I'm doing this job a long <laughs> time but you you put a smile on my face this morning when I watched oh, that that's video. good that's good that's all we want to do and like even on TikTok like we just kind of made we made people smile and people were just happy for us which was brilliant you know kind of to hear and show the lovely comments people are sending and people that don't even know us and just like are just on about our connection and stuff like that and it's just crazy Shannon take care of yourself and take care of that lovely little girl (laughs) thanks very much that's Shannon Higgins uh, in her new forever home with her little girl Cassie we have another housing query that came into us yesterday which I'll get to uh, afterwards but someone was very concerned listener very concerned that her daughter was being asked to prove that she was single to the council before they'd allocate her a house. Seems a bit strange. We got to the bottom of it, though, and there is an explanation. We'll come back to it. 0818969696, Cork's 96FM's exclusive online station, the Back Garden Festival, still with us right now on the app or at 96fm.ie with the biggest hits from the summer's headline acts. Brought to you by Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialist in sound this summer. Open up the app on your phone or on your iPad or whatever tablet you have, and you'll see the little button there for the Back Garden Festival, and just hit it and the music will flow. Dee says that little video brought tears to my eyes that she was shown to everybody in the doll. Delighted for Shannon. And Kevin says, need more videos like this. It's beautiful. Congratulations and best of luck in the new home. And lots more like that. Not so much positivity or love out there for the publicans of Cork. Now, I'm wondering if that's entirely fair because if a pub has to close, you might say, well, you, you could say, well, they've been ripping it. But think about the young person whose job 
will be gone or whose hours will be cut. Think about the young person that have put themselves through college and, and the difference of their couple of hours in the pub at the weekend is the difference between eating noodles and actually having some decent food to put in the fridge of their flat. That kind of thing, or, or trying to pay rent or stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's the people with the jobs in the pub that, that I would be concerned about, you know, closing the pub on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. To, to the publican, it's closing the pub. To the people who work those shifts, it's, it's work gone. And, and that's has to be taken into account. I'll read some of your comments in a little while though. 0818969696. Now you know me I'm not big on uh, celebrities. I, I don't have a whole pile of time for celebrity culture. That having been said I have a certain fondness, often have had a certain fondness for Pippa O'Connor. And moreover as she's built herself a fabulous business selling jeans uh, online and a big brand, Poco by Pippa. And she's really successful. And she gave an interview recently to a podcast called The Good Glow. And she talked about uh, having a miscarriage. And she had a miscarriage during lockdown. Uh, before she had her most recent kid, Billy, um, who was born last October. She had a miscarriage before Billy was born. And she told that story to the podcast. And... She used a word that I was, I read it, I said, did I misread that? She said she was embarrassed at having lost a child through miscarriage like that. Now, I've talked to a lot of women over the years who've lost a child through miscarriage or other circumstances. And embarrassed is not a word that they've ever used. But I felt for Pippa, and I think a lot of women would identify with what she went through. Mary Cregan is the co-founder of Felicon, and we've spoken to Mary before about uh, stillbirth and neonatal death and miscarriage and all of these things. Uh, Mary, can you understand her using that word, embarrassed? Good morning. Hi, PJ. Um, I could. Um, any of the mothers out there that are listening, I think, would probably uh, realise, you know, that at the time we are so confused. When you, the loneliest sight you'll ever see, and I've said this before, I think on your show too, is the sight of that empty scan. You know, when the heartbeat is gone, the silence in the room, and the embarrassment sometimes is picked up. From the caregivers, you know, the professionals, because they don't know what to do. They're going to have to tell you that your world is about to shatter. And then it's the confusion of it, that your the embarrassment comes, I think, from this initial feeling that you failed, that you were a bit shamed, that your body couldn't, you know, mind your child and a bit guilty. And it's all those. It's like it's not so much embarrassment. It's the actual confusion of a load of different emotions that you don't know what to do with. You didn't expect. And um, you're suddenly trying to pull yourself together. Like when I was reading about the um about Pippa's uh, Pippa O'Connor's um podcast and her saying getting up from the the table at the bed and uh, grabbing her coat I'm all right I just thought that was so poignant and she made herself so vulnerable by telling people mm-hmm. you know she acknowledged what women feel that now I have to go and get on with it but that your life is shattered you know when you lose your baby whether it's through miscarriage stillbirth neonatal death it's very individual, it's um, unacknowledged and it, it's just such suffering and a lot of the women that I spoke to, including myself, you don't know what to do with yourself in those, you don't know how to feel and you don't know how to respond. Mm. You of course can uh, identify very personally with this. Remind us again, I know we've talked before, but remind us again what you went through. 
Okay. So while my daughter was then, I had a late um, pregnancy, a big, huge surprise when I was 45 and she was born when I was uh, 45. But she lasted until the day before she was due. But I just knew there was something not right. And, you know, her movements weren't great. And uh, she was a perfect little baby. It looked like the placenta failed. But uh, I gave birth to her then the day after she was due. But she bringing a child into the world that's already left it. And any mother out there who's done that knows how horrendous it is. Born and sleeping the following, is the term they use, isn't it? Sleeping, yeah. yeah. And uh, as we, we, I'm very careful of language because what's okay for me might be okay for someone else. But we thought that that was um, okay, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought born sleeping because um, that's what she was, like such a still little baby mm-hmm. and a beautiful little baby. But... It like my life then was from before Liliana and after Liliana, and the following year then, I got pregnant again. Surprise, surprise! And uh, I got you know people tell you don't talk about the first for the first twelve weeks, tell nobody. But that's the time you need support. So you know again, I would say to women, what's right for you? What do you need for this twelve weeks? Some people would prefer others not to know that they're pregnant, uh, just in case they lose the baby. But and we hear all these um, stats that one in five pregnancies will end in in miscarriage, but four and five won't. You know, so um, I think we're we're setting all these standards for women. But I, my suggestion to them would be, you know, like what's right for you, and talk to the people who who will support you. And I lost that baby anyway. As I was told, and at 15 weeks, I was told on the day Monday at the high risk clinic, you one percent chance now of losing the baby. Where was I on Saturday? I was the one percent again. And then my daughter was a one percent when her little baby died intrapartum. We don't know what happened. Oh. He was revived. Yeah, and he this was and he he survived and he um he died at three days, a perfect darling little baby, in just at the start of COVID there, nineteen twenty and and, and sorry, twenty twenty and. Oh I'm sorry to he hear that. I had no idea. Oh, it was horrendous. Well, you see, oh Aoife is the, um, the mother of this child. Her, she's a volunteer with Felicon who sorts out the memory boxes. And she was uh, the, the, the irony of all of this is that the week before she was going in to have Dara, she was making sure that the memory boxes were in there. We never thought we'd be getting one of our own memory boxes. I just never thought, you know, oh but that's why I you know Felicon works, really. Yeah. Because, tell, tell me about the setting yeah. up of, of Felicon, because I, I, I remember years ago talking to you yeah. and having never heard of it. Um, but I thought, what a wonderful, wonderful group of people. Talk to me about yeah. setting it up. Well, there were seven of us and it was six mothers and one dad. And, and, you know, kind of another ironic thing that the dad was actually the most creative of us and he took us to a different level because he had, he was just you know, so artistic and was he uh, started out the new memory box. You know, we got the idea from Sands in the UK, but was Brian um, got us the one we have now, which is beautiful. Well, we knew that what we were feeling was, you know, we were so isolated, we were so alone, and we said there has to be a way of giving support to, you know, from parent to parent. And um, my mother had been had lost two babies, and like it had a huge impact on her life, and she died young. And we think it was the isolation of all of that didn't help the mothers, you know, or the fathers too. And fathers were just not even in the picture at that stage. So we formed Felicon, and um, we were pushing an open door. Yeah. And uh, that, was yeah, there support there, like for you, Murray? Was there yes. support for you? Oh, for us. I was lucky. At the time of Liliana, yeah. and then. For, well, I was very lucky because the midwife I had, the bereavement midwife was was fantastic and they were just, the post was just new in 2006. But also the midwife who looked after me 
was one of those professionals, one of those women who understood their job, who actually got it. And her care of me, I think, was one of the reasons why I was able to go on and, um, you know, pull, say I was going or making another organization. I was making an organization anyway, because I knew that we had to have them. Um, we had to have something and I'd already been working in Romania and in Bosnia with um, a group I'd formed in 1990 so I knew how to do it you know yes. and um, but I just said like this is um, what we're feeling if everyone else is feeling this way and nobody knows about it how awful the the pain is of losing your child I never thought anything could be so bad and that I'd still be breathing you know yeah. and uh, and like I had lost my mother when I was young I lost a sister then uh, that I had reared so Subsequently, and I lost my grandson and an adult daughter and during COVID. And while all of them are devastating, the difference around stillbirth and neonatal death is that there's no acknowledgement or no understanding of the levels of grief for parents. Still. That's making sense to you. Getting better, I have to say, because the younger people are much more out there than, you know, old ones like me. And my daughter was much more um, forthcoming about her child. And also the fact he lived for three days there was a different view of him rather than a baby who was still born, you know. And um, we were able to do his handprints in clay. And this is something that Felicon offers now. We're a bit behind in at the moment, but um, every baby that's um, that wants them gets them. And um, the you know we had lock of his hair. We had um, you know real memories of him. And uh, he's real. And the, whereas Liliana would be a bit more of a shadow baby, if that's making sense. Because it they didn't does, get to meet her. Does, does. Have we, have we left the days of okay, get on with it? Have we left those days? Please tell me we have. Well, some people have because look, we're such a mixed bag of cultures now as well, and some cultures won't recognise a baby as much as others, you know. If um, and we have to respect all of of what's out there, but there are some families we will come into, and you can already see that well-meaning grandmothers like myself will be saying, you know, no, the best thing for her now is to get pregnant again or the best thing is to move on. But you have to honour the baby that has died. They're an individual. They're their own little person. They're mm. not, you can't replace them with another one. Like when my sister died, as I've often said, no one told me she have another one. Whereas when Liliana died, it was a case of that, look, you have a houseful there, you know, we're foster parents, adoptive parents as well. And she would load up children marry, you know, you would spare one kind of thing. People did not do that to hurt me. They did not do it to hurt anyone else. What they did was to try to make you feel better well, because we hurt. hate to see people in such pain. It you know? did hurt, though, didn't it? Oh, it did. Yeah, like I, I just felt that she was being negated and that people didn't think she was real. Or, yeah. you know, look, that was something that happened in your life. Now, sure, move on now and get back to being the person yeah. we're used to. You know, the go getter and, and that, which was never going to happen ever. Someone like Pippa, who's very well known, and as I said there before, I, in. The introduction, I don't have much time for celebrity culture, but I have great time for Pippa because there's something very likeable about her, plus the fact she's built an enormous business for herself online. But someone like her speaking in the way she's done, does that help people to come forward? Immeasurably. Because people like Pippa O'Connor looked up to, you know, it's, I mean, I wouldn't be great now with uh, what's going on social media with my ancient Nokia phone, but the um, other, uh, the younger mothers will tell me that they have, you know, they will look, it happened Pippa O'Connor. If it can happen, her can happen anyone. And if she was able to talk so movingly, make herself so vulnerable and ask for the acknowledgement, well, then it means that this is a big deal and that this is okay for me to feel the same way, do you know? Yeah. If anybody this, wants this to contact Fela Khan. Yeah. 
You and uh, just failacon.ie and they'll get all the details there. And just we would say to them, please don't be on your own, you're not. Yeah. Tell me lastly about memory boxes. What's in the memory box? Well, every time memory box is made, we, we close the ribbon, we think of the family that's going to get it and we just hope it's going to bring comfort. When they open it, then they'll see the letter from us, you know, to dear parents, you're not on your own. There's a handprint kit then, that's um, a little flat ink print that they'll take their baby's handprint so they can, all the young ones, get tattoos afterwards then, you know, on their hearts or wherever they want them. And uh, there's two little teddies, one to stay with mum and dad, one to go with baby and they swap them over before oh. cremation or burial. Oh uh, there's a blanket knit by a lot of our long ago bereaves that don't even know where their babies are buried and they can wrap the baby in the uh, in the blanket or they wrap the baby in the blanket and then keep it and I saw something up on one of the Facebook pages recently about one mam saying that um, she holds the blanket to her every night and thinks of all the other mams and dads in the country doing the same thing so you know it's um, and there's um, about to measure your baby because they don't do that anymore and there's little charms that you put in one in baby's hand and one yourself and then swip swap them over and a little for the lack of hair for the baby and we would say look you know any little things that you want to put put them into this little keepsake box and then there's the leaflet suggesting Okay. Um, you know, making suggestions about photographs and that. All right, listen, Mary, thank you, Amari, thank you very much. Uh, I.E. I think we might we might post the link on the social. The Cork Diary. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organization, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to Cork Diary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With Tusla Fostering. Now seeking foster carers for short and long-term emergency and respite foster in Cork. See fostering.ie. On Cork's 96FM. Like I said, some people are very negative about the pubs and saying, you know, they're only reaping what they sow and they're ripping us off here and there and everywhere. And I said at the end of my conversation with Michael that if I didn't ask that question, somebody else would. So I did ask him. But a lot of people are employed in that industry and we have to think about their jobs and their jobs being, being under threat. John says... Johnson Cove, in fairness, pubs should be the last thing on people's minds just now. Putting food on the table and heating homes should be. The government subsidised the pubs during COVID. That money now needs to be better spent. And Finn, it's not a labour shortage, it's a wage shortage. The vintners have no problems lobbying the government to raise minimum unit pricing, for example, to get people back into the pubs. There's a lot of that online as well when restaurants and pubs complained about not being able to get staff. The argument was, well, what are you willing to pay? And and what's the wage? And maybe if you paid more, then you'd get better people, you'd get more people. And that is an argument. But right now, the pubs are facing into a winter where the gas bills are doubling, or the Electricity bills are doubling and trebling. If they have a kitchen and they cook with gas, the gas bills are gone through the roof altogether. So you'd be very concerned for pubs uh, around the city and the county. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six, and the newspapers have a lot of coverage of it this morning. For example, in the Mirror, they're they're saying absolutely as a fact that some pubs will be forced to close for good 
due to the spiralling costs of energy and gas. And then we had uh, Eamon Ryan yesterday. is not able to guarantee us that there won't be blackouts during the winter. Every time he's pushed on it, he hums and haws. Now, Eamon's the best homer and haw in the doll anyway. But every time he's pushed on it, he hums and haws and ifs and buts about how we'll try not to get any, have any blackouts. I'm desperately concerned that we'll have blackouts this winter. I, I really am, because we just don't have the energy supply to take us through a harsh winter. And people can't afford it anyway, even if we did. I'm more worried, I said this last week and I meant it, I'm more worried about the winter ahead and what it'll do to people than I ever was about COVID. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 966 966. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Do you know, for no reason other than sheer curiosity, it'll be interesting to see what Stephen Donnelly has to say for himself when he makes the this statement to the media. He's going nowhere. He, he is not going to follow Robert Troy out of a job. It just isn't going to happen. I mean, he's got the backing. Michal Martin backed him. Uh, Neover Adkar backed him. Jesus, even Eamon Ryan backed him and says, oh, grandfella, grandfella. He has confidence in, in Stephen Donnelly. So he'd go nowhere. Regardless of what happened with this rental property, he didn't register it with the Residential Tenancies Board for three years. The, the one word I don't like, I don't think anyone does, is oversight. Like, oversight. And oversight is forgetting to put the bin out. And oversight is going to the shop and coming back with everything except the eggs. Do you know what I mean? I bet you he didn't forget to trouser the rent over the last couple of years. But please, 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 Stephen, don't use the word oversight. And another small bit of advice, if I could. Um, don't, whatever you do, blame your workload during the pandemic. Because I'm half expecting that his workload as a minister in the pandemic would get blamed for the oversight. I really hope not. Really, really, really hope not. We'll see anyway. 0818 96 96 96. Now, yesterday there was a, he was a producer in RTE and he went public about being scammed by someone purporting to come from his bank. And he got fleeced, the poor devil. Absolutely fleeced. They got most of his savings. They got, they got thousands off him. Now, it does look as if he'll get the most of it back. Uh, But the trauma is what it is, and he'll be suffering from that for a long time. But And yesterday we were talking with with Ronan Murphy from Smart Tech about, you know, getting caught online by by scammers. And they're out there, right, left, and centre. And the one thing that Ronan left us with yesterday was, for God's sake, don't trust anybody online. And after discussing that, interesting, we should pick up our papers and, and uh, particularly look at a paper from the west of Ireland called the Anglo-Celt, which points to 
student accommodation fraud happening right, left and centre. And this is where students, and at this time of the year, of course, every student who's travelling to college just wants a place to stay. And the cost of it is astronomical. And there ain't a whole pile of it out there. So you see an ad, the place looks great. You see, give me your deposit and it's all tickety-boo. And then you pay the money and then there's no place. And you can't contact the landlord. And the money is gone. And if that's happening in the west of Ireland, it's happening here in Cork. Quiva Walsh is USI Vice President for the Southern Region. I've heard of students been taken in like this before, Quiva. It's still happening. Good morning. Hi, how are you? Um, yeah, it is still happening. Um, I think uh, because accommodation is in such demand this year that it opens up a new like you know, um, way for people to scam students even more. Um, so it's... it's uh, um, it's hard for the students who are just looking for the accommodation but I mean it's even harder if you think you have a place and then you yeah. give a load of money and you figure out that you've actually just been scammed Yeah, It's interesting that the average amount according to the guards is about 1300 euro which is roughly yeah. is it what you'd pay as a down payment to get a place Um, It could be yeah so it probably that would be um, I would say a deposit and then a month's rent on top of that as well yeah. that's usually what um, you'd be asked for because um. Uh, your deposit can't be more than a month's rent, so I imagine they're saying the month's rent would be half that, and then they're yeah. asking for both, so they'd yeah. end up with that much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a considerable amount of money, and people are being caught because they're they're buying into this online and they're paying their money online, and then they discover the landlord doesn't even exist, let alone the place. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 crazy. Um, I mean, what we're trying to tell people is, you know, like if. If you see an ad, you know, view the view the property, which is the one of the biggest things. If you can go and view the house, view the apartment, um, you know, if when you're looking for houses, look through um the websites that uh the college and your student unions uh, might have set up, um, because every um everything that's advertised on that should be verified through the college before it gets posted, um, and as well, you know, making sure that your the houses are registered with the RTB, um. You know, like, don't sign anything up front, you know, until you have a contract signed first. Yeah. We are talking to Ronan Murphy yesterday about this. He said, trust nothing. Trust nobody. Verify everything before you hand over a cent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I would vouch for that as well. You know, you need to you need to be sure, especially, you know, like, I mean, like, the, these scammers are, I mean, they're taking a lot of money. And, you know, a lot of people would have this money saved. Um so that they can have enough to to pay for their rent. I mean, rent is expensive enough, and then being scammed and then being down money and still looking for accommodation. I mean, that's not that's not an ideal situation to be in either. Yeah, there's um, a couple a couple of warning signs that the guards have outlined here. It says if the landlord is unable to meet you personally to show you the property, that could be a red flag. If they'll only communicate through text or WhatsApp or another social media, in other words, if you can't get to talk to them on the phone. And when the thing is offered, the property is offered with no question to ask, but they want the money before you sign the lease. Any one of those three, any accommodation of those three, a red yeah, flag. Absolutely, especially especially the one about um, the lease. I mean, if you don't have anything signed, um, I mean, take that as a massive red flag. You know, I mean, you need to have, and as well as I said about the the property, try your best to get up and view view the place before you pay any money towards it. Because mm. that's, yeah, that's one of the biggest signs that you're being scammed. Trying to meet someone if there's no one going to meet yeah. you. 
Yeah. And, yeah, and, and, if, they, and if they wanted you to view the property. Don't hand over a cent until you have your your signature on a piece of paper, an actual yeah. piece of paper. Yeah, and if, yeah. And like and read through that, read through that um, lease, read through that contract as well. Make sure everything is um, right because I know that there has been cases where landlords have said, "Oh, it's this much," and then you sign the contract and then you look at it and it's actually more. Yeah. Um. Just I mean, students get scammed that way as well. So it's it's a case of actually making sure you know what you're signing as well when um when you are signing the lease. There are so many ways, of course, to give cash, give money to other people these days. Revolut, I think about in PayPal, crypto, yeah. anything else. There, you should also be really careful about how you hand over money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I would think that I would say that a bank transfer would be the safest. Um, in regards to um, you know, uh, paying landlords. Um, I would I paying in cash can be a bit. Um, you know, it's not it's not like certain. I mean, like when you have paid, um through like a bank transfer and stuff you know like it's documented it's there yeah. and we would advise all students to get a rent book as well where you can uh, document how much rent and when you pay it mm. um, and how much you're giving over Revolut is so popular particularly yeah. among young people these days but you'd advise against it because if something goes wrong it's very hard to track it down because it's an online service yeah well um, yeah I mean if I mean, I wouldn't advise um, transferring from your Revolut account into somebody's actual bank account. But I mean, if if it, it's connected to their name and stuff. But as I said, like if that was last option, but I would I would advise definitely yeah. um, a bank transfer. Yeah, a bank transfer. Sepa, it's it's bank way transfer. safer, and it's all there in front of you. Then, yeah. um, and ideally, meet the landlord, see the yeah, place, actually the physically yeah. walk around the place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every house I moved into when I was living in Cork, I viewed I viewed every house. Um, you know, I, I was told to like, you know, you wouldn't. You, and my parents are like, you're not moving into the house until you see it first. And uh, you know, they were dead right. Um, um, and like, you know, then you know that it's there. Um, you meet the landlord beforehand. You know, everything is like set in stone. And as I said, don't sign that contract until we I mean, don't hand over any money until you've that contract signed. Yeah, Quiver, just on a separate matter, while I have you there with regard to accommodation, we hear there's a shortage every September, stroke October. How acute is it locally here in Cork of the South this year? Um, to be honest, it, it's gone from bad to worse. Um, there's issues in price and um, supply. Uh, there's not enough rooms um, and there isn't enough accommodation built. Um, the accommodation built now is kind of private and not affordable. So students can't find anywhere to live and then what they can find is quite expensive. I think it's a lot to do with the return to campus because this is the first proper year since after COVID mm. um, that everyone is properly back and the supply hasn't caught up with the demand yet. Yeah. You know, they were so, offering, you know, all I see being built around certain parts of the city is, is more and more student accommodation. You, you'd wonder how much more they need. I know. And the thing is, they're all like, I mean, there's, I think UCC have built another um, actual student accommodation but all the rest are all uh, privately owned so I mean they cost a fortune like yeah. um, which is crazy and then you know like as you were saying there's more CAO spaces but there's nowhere really for anyone to live unless they want to pay like crazy money crazy money yeah and the number of student accommodation blocks that were used over the last number of months to house Ukrainian refugees and now those people being moved out is that slowing up people students um, getting the, the accommodation 
I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. I wouldn't say that it's slowing it down. I mean, I, I mean, I know um, that uh, Ukrainian refugees moved into um, accommodations, but as far as I'm aware, um, they moved out um, so that students could go back. I know it caused some uh, traction, but I mean. I mean, everyone deserves to have somewhere to live too, you know. Indeed, um, indeed. So yeah. you can't blame. No, you don't. No, 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 no. Yeah. Nor was I for a second, Quiva. Oh no, 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 I, I know you are. No, yeah. no, I know that. It's yeah. just the fact that they're there and and moving. I know. No, yeah. It In order to move them, said. you need somewhere for them yeah. to go. And that, 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 yeah. You know. Yeah, that's what we were saying. You that's know. Saying. All right, Quiva. Thank you very much, Quiva Walsh. She's the USI Vice President, Southern Region. Gardy, we're talking in this article that I read and the guards would back this up if I rang them here and now I suppose do not pay cash do not pay in crypto and lots of things happening do not pay in crypto also and I love PayPal and I use it a lot but if a website is asking you to send money to a random PayPal address be wide if they want you to wire it by Western Union and there's a very reputable operation, but if they want you to wire it by Western Union, be wide. Certainly if they want you to pay it in iTunes gift cards, I'd be rolling out the road. And do not deal with anywhere that only operates through crypto. They would prefer if people used a credit card. Now, it's not every student has a credit card. Not every student's parents have a credit card. But if you can get a credit card, Use a credit card and a proper bank transfer. A proper SEPA, IBAN, BIC bank transfer. Because at least if that goes pear-shaped, you have some hope of getting it back. 0818969696. On the pubs, can the publicans not use the windfall profits from minimum pricing to cover the extra cost? Minimum pricing was only supposed to apply to cheap drink. When introduced, it was added to all drink. Well, it, no, it was it was intended to apply to all drink, but it would greatly bring up the price of what used to be called cheap drink. But, but there's no cheap drink in the pubs. I'm not too sure minimum pricing affects pubs as such. But thank you for your point. Uh, minimum pricing put the price of the off-license up considerably. But I'm not too sure it put the price of a pint in the pub up. Um, yeah, I, you know what? That's a valid point. Thanks for that, Fergal. Fergal isn't but the, the thoughts in my ear this morning. That it was done and the publicans wanted it. The publicans wanted minimum pricing because the off-license trade was affecting their competitiveness. Now, they'll tell you it was about binge drinking. But actually, the pubs were losing out big time to the off-licenses because we all, when the pubs were closed during the pandemic, we all realised just how good value the off-license was when we're drinking at home. So the minimum pricing drove up the price of drinking the off-license and made the pubs a bit more competitive. But I don't actually think they made any money out of the minimum pricing. That is, unless, of course, unless, of course, the pub happens to be attached to an off-license or the publican also happens to own an off-license then they're making money out of it Sarah's Cox 96 FM climbing, running, jumping physical activity all very important for the youngsters 
when they come home from school and they're starting in school. Most of them will have all started by today. Pretty much everyone has started by today. Primary, secondary, the Nina, the babies, they're, they're all back today. They're all back. And when they come home, they will be tired. And some of them will just want to crawl on the couch and vegetate for the afternoon. And you know, on the first couple of days, it's probably no harm. But you've got to get them active as well. They've got to spend time every day doing something active. Running or jumping or climbing or hitting a ball or walking. Because every scientist now will tell us that the importance of physical activity in your childhood around your school time. You can't underestimate it. Tony Martin's with me from ketomind.ie. Tony, you can't, can you, underestimate the importance of a small bit of physical activity every day. Good morning. Uh, PJ, good morning. Good to talk to you. You too, sir. Um, yeah, on that question, um, I, I, I would agree movement is, is very important, but uh, when we start looking at younger age groups in school, especially the, the, the younger kids starting school, I don't think movement is the issue. I, I think any teacher will tell you, you're not going to have a load of five, six and seven year olds glued to their chairs, learning their lessons. They're, the big challenge for teachers is to get them to sit down and stop running around the class. Fair point. So, so I, I would say they all have run around playing when, when they're in those group situations. And looking beyond that, I would think that the the issue that I'm seeing now, it, it's a lot of it is dietary related. It, it's the foods, the convenience of foods. Kids are coming home tired. Like there's no talk of the parents being tired. A lot of the parents work. Summer holidays are over. They all have to get up early, get the lunches ready. The incumbents usually here are the mums. The mums are wrecked when they get home. They're tired. Mum isn't going to come home and flounce around the kitchen and have a five-course meal all prepped and cut the veg and this, that. They're going to go for convenience. They're going to go for something that's a little bit easy. Mm. And, and and I think that is all rolling into the issues that we're seeing now with kids being overweight because these are the things that are starting young in life and, and that they're taking forward. Mm. So while the activity... Is, is a thing on one side, yes, and that is important. I, I think that the most important thing that's being overlooked is that is, is that thing in relation to, to diet. And uh, I think there's too much noise now being made about physical activity mm. where we should be looking at, at, at the dietary aspect. The of content it. of the lunchbox, Tony, for example. Um, yeah, hugely. It's hugely important. As I said, like kids will engage, kids will ar- will run around. You'll get outliers and you'll hear stories about this, that and the next. But for the most part, when kids get together and there's nothing around, they'll be moving. They're like Cracker Jacks. They're, they're flying all around the place. They're playing. That's the way kids are, PJ. You've got your own. You, you, you see what they're like. It, it, it's it's the, the, the late eating, the habits, the sugars, the sweets. This is the issue for them. And and in light of the last two years and the way things have been and the gaps, another thing that's being overlooked is all kids going back to school and getting sick. The amount of kids getting sick is is just incredible. Mm. Your your first day back when you're when you're five or six into school, like how many are out with the first week with sore throats and, and other you know contact uh, infections that occur? 
because there's been no contact, because kids have been isolated, because in the summer they are sitting at home in, in front of the computer. And this yeah. is where the argument for the lack of movement comes in. Like parents are out working, kids are, are left on their own. Like the easy thing to do is is to keep the mind, which is looking for the serotonin hit, amused and 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 clung on, you know, multimedia, little games, yeah. anything that will focus their attention for a while. And kids are cranky. Kids, are, you know, the, 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 it's not happening for them. Yeah. So, like the, the the argument about the movement is is there. You can argue it, but but the big thing is 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 diet mm. when they're going back to school and making sure that their immune systems are are up and and yeah. functioning properly and and effectively. Let's look at the diet, the lunchbox, the typical lunchbox that's been put together five mornings a week. The other thing that I'm sure, Tony, parents have said it to you and they've certainly said it to me and my own experience, there's only certain things that they'll eat and you can be filling the lunchbox with the most nutritious food you can think of and what will be eaten? Maybe the apple and that's it. Um, I look... Every parent will tell the tale when the lunchbox come home. Some you get, you might get the little inside of the bread eaten, all the crusts come home. You might get the bag of crisps gone, cleaned, torn open and licked out. You might get the soft drink, the juice drank, and then the rest is just left there. Fruit invariably might have a little nibble out of it and and, and thrown off. Like kids are drawn towards the 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 high energy, easy foods, and they don't want the rest. So, you know, to, to balance out a box, like, again, mom's not going to go home and go, well, he needs the five a day here, he needs the this, the this. Like, we, we tend to choose what's easy to, to get our hands on. Sandwiches and bread, people talk about bread and, and what it is. Like, all these things are good, provided there, there's a little bit of balance. Mm. The, the easy calories, like, like the crisps, the high-energy stuff that afford no nutrition, that's the stuff that, that should be cut down on. I mean, if a kid just has a sandwich and no little treat for after his sandwich, which invariably becomes the dinner, the treat, they leave the good stuff and they tend to eat the sweet, high-energy stuff because that's what kids do, that's what children do. Um, they, they all get eaten. They're offering no nutrition. You're, you're getting highs in, in blood sugar levels. You're getting crashes. Um, and and that, that's leading then to a continuation of, of bad eating habits, which again, results with the, the, the obesity and the increase in rise in obesity that we're seeing now. Mm. So you can't really blame it on activity because activity does trigger different responses provided it's done in conjunction with, with an eye on, on diet. Like late eating treats, you know, poor nutritive value foods. And it doesn't take a whole lot, you know, you don't need to be sitting down with your your, your nutrition Bible working out exactly what the, what, what the children need. Yeah. It's just a good balance of the foods that are, you know, as, as far removed from processing as, as, as you can enable yourself to, to get your hands on working within the time scales that you have as parents. Part of the work that you do, Tony, and have been doing for a number of years now is breaking the bad habits of adults that were possibly learned in childhood. So in these school-going years, do we make good habits for life? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Anything, it's been shown right across the board that, like, our brains are plastic when we're small. We learn from the environment that we're in and we develop whatever cultural thinking there is around what we do. So that's why you get different people in different cultures doing different things. So a habit for life, yeah, a way of life is a way of life, no matter what you do with it. If you're sitting down and, and say everybody's sitting in front of the television and meandering in and out and eating different meals at different times and there's no centralization, that will lead to people just eating, you know, a la carte, nibbling and grazing all day long. If there's structure around meal meal times, like the the the, the science and the research shows that there is and tends to be less outliers from those situations in 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 terms of obesity, uh, more well roundedness. But that that's a different question on a sociological level for 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 a different day. The the the, the way we live our lives now with, with the immediacy, the, the no waiting around, the time paucity. It, it is all lending itself to the conditions that most people are finding themselves in when they stop and take a look. To reverse that or, or to put a rein on it, it, it needs effort. It needs a different set of values. And, and that starts with people saying, yeah, I'm sick of it. And, and let's give us, give us a framework that's not too hard and can row in with the lifestyles that we have. And again, as I said, parents are busy and, and let's not blame the parents in this. Yeah. And, and and let's say, look, this is a way to work forward because like demonizing people and isolating people, uh, that's not helping anybody. And at the end of the day, when the effort gets too much and people aren't seeing, you know, too much of a, a positivity, a positivity from it, then it's easy to throw the towel in. So I think more education for everybody, you know, bring people in and say, this is what we want to see and explain why and, and, and look and try to help people, who can't get to that point and 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 see where we can improve things, I, 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 having a solve ball and and blaming a lack of movement and and that I I don't think that's the solution. I think that's just, you know, pointing the finger at one small little aspect of of a thing which runs a lot deeper than just exercise alone. I think it, it, the, the big it, thing we need to look at is is diet. It's it's hugely important and it has a massive impact on on everything. You're almost going back. Tony, to the old saying, the old almost proverb, you are what you eat, are you? Uh, you exactly are what you eat. I mean, like, I think the whole story of, of, of weight, because it's it, it's a multi-million, billion dollar industry, like I'm in it, so I, I know. So everybody's out there peddling some aspect of it. And there, there, there's a lot in in terms of what you can do 
what's being sold, that that sounds very, very good on the surface. And there is not that ability to have a look beneath the surface. And beneath the surface, you, you have a, a very, very plain and simple situation where we are, as human beings, in requirement of, of energy the whole time. So we need food all the time. So it goes without saying that the type of food or the, the energy source that we put into ourselves has a big bearing on, on, on how we react to it. And the big change in the last 50 to 100 years has been the advent of processed food, which is an, an easy, accessible form of energy for us. Mm. And because we're so good and because we live in that energy anxiety as, as, again, living creatures, we tend to hang on to the energy that we ingest and we, we, we store very well the excess. And that ends up as, as the overweight state, as the obese state, and we're seeing more and more and more of it. Yeah. And it's very, very hard to turn the brakes off in our physiology, especially when we're being exposed to it constantly. So we need to rethink food in terms of its energy and in terms of its effect on us. We need to kick the notion of calories out the window. And we, we, we need to re, reaffirm what we want in terms of our health by having something that's easy to work from. We're going a little bit away from kids now, but you just made a point there that I want to tease out with you for two more minutes. We need to kick calories out the window. Now, in the last couple of years, Tony, we've seen a push to get calories onto uh, restaurant menus. And everywhere you go, you're reminded, oh, there's that calories there and there's that calories there. Kick, Kick calories out the window. But weren't we always told if you use more calories then if you take in more calories than you use, that's wrong. If you're using more calories than you take in, that's right. So where are we with that? But, 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 but let's get back to like just the calorie you now instantly. We're all talking about calories. We all have this notional idea of what calories are and they're associated with food. But what is a calorie? If you, I'm asking you, like, what do you know as what a calorie is? It's What's a unit a calorie, of energy. PJ, it's a unit of energy. What energy? Heat. Heat, exactly. So heat is the end product. It's a consequence of our metabolism's interaction with our food. So calories are the end product. They come out. So the notion that we put calories in is a little bit, you know, misdirected. There's a certain amount of potential energy in the food. The food type dictates how our body handles handles it and dictates what comes out at the other end. So calories in, calories out as, as a notional thing, you know, on a linear level is, is okay. But we, we've got to throw that out. We've got to look at food and the effect of the food on us. And if we look at, say, the excess of, of easy accessible energy from processed foods, like high carbohydrate foods, we can see that that will drive our metabolisms in a certain way. How do you know it? Because look at the obesity um, epidemic. And let's stop looking at, at, the, at the calorie thing. Let's look at the effect of food. Let's look at the timing of food. Let's look at stuff that we can roll back on that doesn't need us to think about calories and, and, and get caught in the minutia. Let's look at, at food differently and, and, and let's put the calorie thing out. Because if something says that there's X amount of calories in something, what it does is it, it takes the food, it puts it into ostensibly what's a calorie measuring device called a bomb calorie meter, and it calculates the amount of heat that's generated from that food in a laboratory condition. The same thing doesn't happen when you put the food into the body. Yeah. You could put the same food into your mind body, and we could both extract, because of our digestive systems and the nature of our, our digestive systems, different amount of calories, inverted commas, from that. 
we access the energy differently and it's the same for everybody at different yeah. times of the day and this is what our work at the moment is showing us and this is you know this is something that we're going to you know hopefully redress in terms of the overall effect of, of food on our system so, so lastly correct me if i'm wrong here my understanding is you put two bowls in front of me of two different types of food which both have what we would call the same calorific value but one yeah. bowl is good for me and i should have it the other bowl is not good for me it's the same calorific value but they've both got two different effects in my body. Um, I, let's get rid of the term good and bad because I, okay. I, I think that's driving a narrative that we don't need to be driving. But let's just say you put, a, you, you put say, 250, inverted commas, calories worth of meat in front of you. It has a potential to give 250 calories. You put 250 calories worth of sugar in front of you. It has the potential to give 250 calories. You're not going to extract... 250 calories from the meat because the digestive process demands more energy from us. So you're going to get a different outcome from the meat as opposed to the sugar. I see. In yeah. terms of its effect on our metabolism and how we, we interact with the two different types I of food. See. Tony, it's fascinating. And in fairness to you, I've known you a long time. You and I were in college together a very long time ago. You've become so adept at this stuff. It's lovely to talk to you from time to time. Tony Martin, ketomind.ie. K-E-T-O-M-I-N-E-D dot I-E Tony Martin, thank you very much we started on one topic and moved with another uh, he really does know his stuff does Tony Martin 0818969696 and his dad, Bernard taught me P-E in Chris 3 so movement, eh? it's in the family 0818969696 I read a fabulous book over the last week or so a book that I always wanted to be a doctor as I've said before but if any if someone had given me this book to read when I was filling out my CAO points I'd have gone straight for something else it's called The Night Interns we'll talk to the author next 0818 96 96 96 Access All Areas on Cork's 96 FM Your guide to nightlife on Leaside Hi it's Michael with the latest in Cork Entertainment Steeped in a stunning catalogue of proud and stirring hit songs such as Fields of Fire, Chance, In a Big Country and East of Eden, Scottish legends Big Country continue to look beyond the next horizon. You can catch their first Cork show in a very long time this December when they play the Oliver Plunkett on the 18th. Access all areas. The First Child is a new Irish opera written by acclaimed playwright Enda Walsh and Donica Dennehy running for one night only at Cork Opera House on September 17th. Tickets are on sale now for this exciting production from the box office and from CorkOperaHouse.ie Access all areas If you have a gig, exhibition or any entertainment news coming up in the next few weeks drop us a line here at Access All Areas on AAA at 96FM.ie Access all areas Your guide to nightlife on side On Cork's 96FM So you're working at a job that you've studied for for years and years and years You have to follow orders from people who don't tolerate questions or help you. You live on takeaways and huge amounts of coffee while telling people to eat properly. You are sleep-deprived while doing work that requires your attention. And you're left alone and held to account by people who won't help you but will tear your head off when you mess up. That is the life of an intern on the night shift. Austin Duffy, good morning. Hi PJ, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. If anyone that I knew 
said to me that they want to be a doctor, as I did one time, and I was reading your book, I said, no, don't go near it. But it's a, it's a reality check for anyone who thinks that the first couple of years as a newly qualified doctor are glamorous in any way. Right. Uh, oh, dear. I, I hope I didn't go too far. But uh, yes, I, uh, I totally hear you. And um, listen, th- this book was definitely, I mean, it's fiction, but it is was based on my own, on the reality of my own experience. Yes. Uh, that experience was uh, 20 years ago, but still, I think a lot of the same uh, difficulties uh, apply. But yeah, I mean, I, it, it was, the book was inspired by my own intern year and it was difficult, you know, the first, especially those first few months, you know, PJ, because you're making, as you said there in your introduction, you're, you know, you spend these years in college and uh, but it, it largely bears no relationship to the actual work you're going to do. Yeah. I mean, that obviously applies to everybody's situation, right? Everybody goes to college and then you have to step out into the real world. But I guess in medicine, the stakes are a bit higher yeah. and, um, you know, there's no getting away from that. And I found it. Yeah, I found it difficult. I mean, to, to make that transition. And I guess I wanted to sort of uh, make the reader um, experience that for, for, for good or ill, you know. It's a very uh, harsh reality. Oh, I, mean, oh. I, I also read uh, Adam Kay's book, This Is Going to Hurt. Mm. And, and again, the, the characters in it, the senior doctors, the residents, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 particularly the consultants, you kind of think, right, I'm an intern. I've just finished college. I'm a baby doctor. I need help. I need to be coached. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be have the head torn off me at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. Is it really yeah, that no, bad? Um, so, listen, I, you know, I was presenting an experience and, and it's, it, is, it is or certainly was based in reality. Um, I think, you know, what... Um, and, and back then, it was the culture, I suppose, more for, for people to get upset and annoyed. And certainly, I was shouted at on more than one occasion, for sure. There were good people as well. And, and um, there, there was... There was uh, that which mm. you know I de-emphasized, you know, in in the book to try and get across this experience. But for sure, it was difficult. And yes, the culture was just different back then. That that um, you would have, um, yeah, fo- folks, you know, under pressure themselves. And I hope that also comes across in the book that it's not it's not like just a lay. It's not. I'm not try- you know picking a fight here with anybody or launching any polemic. It's it's really. If there is any me- bigger message there, it's about the system being itself being under stress, yeah. and then that impacting on everybody in the. Yeah. Si- I mean, these things, these you can't look at one of these things in isolation. These are environments, you know, sure. where everything in, in, impinges on 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 each people, and and when you've got a system in stress, it just leads to folks, you know, getting a little bit lost, being uh, burnt out, uh, yeah. finding it difficult, and, and you anticipate uh, it. That is the reality because there's yeah. a character, Sharif, who is the senior house. Right. Officer who's teaching these people, and he, when you read the book, Austin, he himself is a deeply troubled mm. man who's not happy with his mm. position in the world and feels he deserved to do better. Right. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up his character because I, I, I think he's a particularly interesting, you know, case study, if I could put it like that. You know, and you come Sharif as the character is not based on one person, but I definitely come came across. Um, characters like this you know who who really are wedded to the hospital huge amount of responsibility you know on them and they're under a huge amount of stress and they're kind of in that mid zone themselves where yes they are 
senior, uh, quote-unquote, relative to the intern. But, of course, they've got the the boss above them. There's a a hierarchy there that they're sort of answerable to. And that's stressful, you know? And And the same um, thing, if, if he messes up, he gets grief from on high. Right. Yeah, exactly. So there's no one... It's. I. I. I wanted to be kind of nuanced that in that there was not. There, it's not like there's one villain, you yeah. know, who's just pure villainous or the anything system, like that. I think I the mean, system, Austin, is the villain. Right. The yeah. System I, I mean, is the I. Villain. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's. It's not be, because you know. I mean, everyone people get into medicine and and even you know uh, you know for for lots of different reasons, but for the most part, I think people are trying to do you know, good, they're in it for the right reason, you know, and yeah, you could, you know, uh, pick th- things here and there, but for overall, everyone's sort of trying to trying to do their best. But if you have a system that's under pressure, well, you know, the humans within the system are going to, you know, it, it's it's understandable that they're going to be sort of get, getting at each other a little bit mm. and, and, you know, to try and protect yeah. themselves and, 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 and survive, you know, and as, that, that's as, certainly as the, the way it was then, and that's the way it, Sorry, as the title suggests, it's night shift. And you get the impression, and you paint it really well, of this enormous hospital. And the impression you give is of these three or four young doctors, just out of college, who are between them trying to hold the whole hospital together. It's, it, it, it's, a, it, it's a dramatic picture that you paint of an empty hospital by these four people. Well, that's the way it feels. I mean, listen, there are... There, it's not an empty hospital. There are people there. There are seniors there. I mean, yeah. you've got, and depending on your specialty, for instance, you've got surgeons on site. You've got intensive care yeah. uh, people on site. All that. But in the mind, when you're that junior doctor, when you're that intern, in your own mind, you're like, oh my god, you know, it's all, it's all on my shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Now, whether that's true or not, and of course, it's not true, but. You know, you, well, you are the first port of call for many situations. But the point is, you actually feel it internally. You internalize that pressure, and you feel sort of this imposter syndrome of of not being, not feeling that you're sort of up to it. Because, yeah. and of course, how could you be? Because you're just out of university. That's right. You know, uh, and, and I, I think I, a month. I think the reading it, and again, as I said, I brought it. I mentioned Adam Kay's book uh, as well. The impression that you get reading the night interns is of like a young newly qualified doctor who is almost afraid to ask for help from his or her superior because of the reaction yeah and um that's a bit of a mixed bag as well you know i mean i think a lot of this i hope has has actually improved i i actually think that the culture you know has improved over that intervening period mm. uh, for instance you don't you know, my experience of being a, a student and a junior doctor of, of getting shou- getting shouted at uh, now and again, you rarely see, you never really see that, you know. So I think there has been a cultural shift. I think there is more support there, you know, for sure. Um, but again, in the in the minds of the of the junior person who's on site, particularly at night, you know, it's it's understandable to feel that oh my god, you know, I, I'm supposed to know this stuff. I'm supposed, you know, to to feel the expectations of themselves and and the stress of not being able to meet those expectations and you know that's even if with all you know there's a certain element there where even with all the best supports in the world you'd still feel that to a certain extent you know what i mean i mean it's just part it's just part of 
the the process of evolving and maturing and and I think that comes hopefully that comes across in the book as well that it's also part of how you do you know the 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 main protagonist is confronted with a scene at a scene at the start of the book that he is totally bereft at and then at the end of the book he faces an identical scene but he's now able to deal with this in a very competent fashion yeah. there's no amount of lectures or tutorials that could have resulted in that yes. transformation you know you that, just have to live that experience yes. and, and develop those and uh, that skills. does come across even though it's it's quite a short book I, I read it quite quickly it it does come across the the fact that at the start of the book he was totally like you said bereft and by the end of it it was it was a horrible situation but he had learnt how to deal with it right and that, that right, comes across. Exactly. Do you know, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but yet again, I am. I think, Austin, you need to start work <laughs> on book two when they're all SHOs. <laughs> okay. I, that's actually not a bad idea. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, cre- I'll credit I'll you, credit PJ. Because they're likeable. <laughs> they're all likeable in their own way, you know. Right. Uh, and okay. and um, I think the next step would be when they've come through intern year and they've done the other murderous year that follows it, the name of which I forgot, and then you go SHO. I think another book with the three of them in it that have moved up the ladder a bit would be a great follow-up. Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, and I did enjoy well, it. Uh, I'll bear that in mind. I did enjoy, I did enjoy <laughs> well, it, great. Austin. I did enjoy the book. And it, actually, strangely enough, it made me laugh out loud a number of times. And I'd have to point that out. <laughs> Okay, yes, good. I'm glad you pointed that out. <laughs> Austin, thank you. It's a, it's a good read. It's an excellent read, in fact. It's called The Night Interns. If you have any interest at all on in, in how a young doctor goes from college to a hospital and learns their trade from there, it's a great read. Austin Duffy, The Night Interns, in all good bookshops now, as they say... Currently matched your previous score of nine out of ten. The question I asked you was: Drax and Gamora are characters in what movie franchise? You said Guardians of the Galaxy, which was a guess. Yeah. You've just won yourself two thousand euros. Oh my god, I don't believe it. Liam, what oh my god. a guess! What are you going to do with the money now? Drop it easy? Ah, uh, drop it easy, yeah, no, I don't know. I have to find it. Another winner, there you go, go, go. The two grand minute. Listen to play. At 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Casey and Ross in the morning. On Cork's 96 FM. <laughs> The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, we've got some responses to Shannon from earlier on this morning. Shannon's lovely video that's got over 4 million views on TikTok now. The moment she gave the keys to her little uh, nine-year-old daughter, Cassie, and Cassie didn't realise that she was opening the door of her own new forever home. Lovely, lovely video. You'll find it on TikTok. I think we might even have shared it on our social here for another few views. Lots of response to that. Also, we got a query yesterday from a listener which we put to the council about having to prove you're single. Uh, someone is having to prove, being asked to prove to the council that they are currently single before they'd be considered for a house and our correspondent was wondering was that was that right? Was it even legal? It turns out it is. It turns out they have a 
a policy on it. We'll get to that and plenty more in just a minute. But I need to go down to Spring Lane to Moraid Tuig. There's water gushing, Moraid, a, b- a big gusher, a burst water main or something. That's it, PJ. I'm here on Dublin Street in Blackpool, and uh, sorry, there's just a massive lorry coming out. You might, you might hear me, but uh, there is there's a uh, water all over the road here. You'd actually think that it had been raining, PJ. It's that bad. And uh, as I'm, the longer I'm here, the more the surface of the road is starting to kind of break up. You can see stones in the road, and there's a there's what you'd call, I suppose, a puddle. But to me, it looks like if you drove into it, that you could get a nasty. Uh, puncture in your tire if you weren't you know it could catch you so yeah it's been it's here there's as i say water everywhere i've sent you guys some pictures and i've also been in touch with irish water and uh, they're passing the pictures onto their operations team so hopefully uh, there'll be this will be fixed and there'll be some action taken but water gushing away here it's on as i say dublin street Dublin in, Street. In give, us, give us a landmark are there any shops or premises nearby <laughs> that people would make a landmark so yes, it's very near uh, Blackpool Autos and it's not far from Walsh's Sports Bar and Groves up further as well. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, yeah, so it's 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 looking fairly, it's fairly nasty and there's uh, a lot of the cars are slowing down. You know, when I was walking up earlier, you get caught, you know yourself, if there's a big puddle on the road and a car drives into it and your ankles will get wet. So yeah. it's feeling a few drops that way. So and there's a lot of houses around here as well. So people coming out of their, their house. So mm. yeah, it's um, most vehicles are slowing down. And uh, so yeah, it's just advice there to take it handy and look, hopefully we'll hear back from Irish Water um, at some stage today and, and hopefully they'll be able to come and fix it. Now, as far as I'm aware, PG, they were here already because there's green arrows uh, painted on the footpath and on the road as well. So my understanding is that the, was the, the mains was fixed um, earlier in the week. Right. So look, hopefully this isn't a fresh break. Maybe it is, but hopefully they do get on scene soon. And, okay. and Councillor Tony Fitzgerald is calling for them to to come here, you know, and, and to, to fix it because we're in a time as well. We've been hearing a lot about water conservation right, and right. like the dry spells. So to see this water like this leaking, um, you know, you'd hope that they, that they will come and they will fix it. So look, I'll keep you updated on what I hear. As I say, I have sent you okay. um, pictures and videos for people who do want to take a look at what's going on here okay. on Dublin Street All in right. Blackpool. Maureen, thanks for that. Maureen Twig from the 96FM newsroom. So a big water main burst, it looks like, down around Dublin Street there near Joyce's Tavern, Breeders, the Groves, you know the general area down there, Blackpool Autos. Uh, be careful down there uh, and t- try not to drive into the puddle because you don't know how deep it is and you could damage your wheels and stuff. But thanks, Maureen, for that. And she's right. Here we are leaking, I assume, hundreds of gallons of water every minute. So every minute that the leak continues without someone coming to turn it off is more wastage at a time when there's a hosepipe ban in West Cork and we're being told to conserve water by night and we're told to be careful of the amount of water we're using in the bath and in the shower and... It's leaking like a sieve under us. And remember, this is just one of the leaks we can actually see. 0818 96 96 96. Come here, I missed this until I picked up my independent.ie website last night. And do you know this public sector pay deal that they were talking about earlier in the week? Well, if that's agreed, and it probably will be agreed because it's the best deal they can get, the TDs are going to get a pay rise of six and a half thousand euro. And they will get salary, their salary will then be a hundred and eight grand. Your TD will be a hundred and eight grand. Your minister, your senior cabinet minister will be on 
Oh, my goodness me. On nearly 200,000 as a result of this, your junior minister, uh, Dara Kaliri, for example, he'll be getting a €42,000 pay hike to become a junior minister. So, and their wages are fixed to civil service wages. So, civil service wages are determined by the public sector pay deal. So, the TD's wage is connected to that of a high-grade civil servant. And when the civil servant's wage goes up, of course, so too does the TD's wage. But here is a point that's being made. Will the TD's accept... Oh, there's a cash bonus coming as well. I'm not entirely sure how that works. But there is a cash bonus coming through, as coming for them as well. Will the TDs accept the cash bonus that's used to be paid in November and their €6,500 pay increase? Will they accept it, says Nigel? The bonus, if it was paid to them all, would be about 364000 which wouldn't buy you a house. But at the same time, Nigel's making the point is. You know, if they, if they want to show solidarity with the rest of us, then let them not take that. 0818 96 96 96. Your thoughts on that? TD's pay gone up to 108 grand as a result of this public sector pay deal that looks like it'll be agreed. 0818 96 96 96. I have a book in my hand called How to Succeed in Secondary School, written by Tony Bellew, a practical guide to how to succeed in secondary school, which seems to be aimed at both students and parents. And it's kind of a reference book for the entire family, I would think, about how to get through uh, secondary school and particularly leading up to study for exams like the junior and the leaving and all of that. Uh, Tony joins me to, to talk about this new book. Tony, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Your inspiration to write the book, am I right in saying first, it does seem to be aimed at the entire family in, in different ways? Yes, you're totally right. Um, and I suppose my inspiration to write it goes way back to when I was a young teacher in the early 70s. Um, business uh, subjects were was my area. Um, and I remember um, having, you know, large class groups and thinking to myself, you know, kind of worrying about certain students who are struggling and thinking to myself, I'd love to be able to, to hear more about what's going on in their heads. And but we were so busy and, and it's the same today, busy, you know, with large classes, covering the course, preparing students for, you know, the exams and so forth. But I remember saying to myself, even way back then, that at some stage I'm going to get involved and I'm going to look into this more. So roll on probably 40 years after that to 2009 when I retired as principal of St. Brendan's College in Bray, now Woodbrook College, and I set up my one-to-one mentoring service. And part of that was I wanted to meet with students on a one-to-one basis and listen to what's going on in their heads. Mm. And I've done that over the last 13 years, and I've worked with uh, nearly 200 students over that time, and I'd work intensively with each one through a year. And um, I've listened you know, to them. And I suppose I've taken on board all they're saying. And it's, I hadn't even, I hadn't planned to write the book then. That happened in 2012. And a number of parents that I was working with along with their their, their children and members of my family said, you know, why don't you look at putting all this down in writing and and get it out there? So I I decided in 2012 I would do. So a lot of it um, comes from the information I get from listening to students. Yeah. Now school is a very 
structured day. Uh, it has exactly. to be. But exactly. you say there's a great importance to be placed as well on a structure at home. Now, can you be as rigid in your structures at home? No, you can be. And I, I'll tell you how. And you're right when you say that, PJ. Uh, I thought back then in you know 2009, and probably before that I was thinking about it, that you know everything is organised really well for students in school. There's a fantastic service, second to none. And uh, like I've spent the last 50, 50 years, kind of, you know, 40 years in my, te- nearly 40 years in my teaching career, and then chair of boards for uh, the, the, the 12 years since then. Um, and, and the service is fantastic. But I kind of thought, and listening to students, they're then expected to go home and organise their lives, you know, with regard to, you know, homework, study and uh, revision and everything else going on in their lives. So I felt it needed some sort of structure. But I immediately thought that one of the most important things is that they're able to do the things they want to do, the interests outside, mm. uh, you know, school matters. So you know, like they spend a long time in school every day and then they're expected to, to you know, do a certain amount of work outside, which, is, which they have to do. So I believe that you really have to bring structure to that. So what I suggest them is that they build into the plan you know, everything else, like if they're playing on a football team or a hockey team involved with the scouts or a drama group group or whatever, or time for friends and all of that. So that goes in kind of to the, the, the blank template, first of all. Mm-hmm. So all of that is fitted in. And then we look at, I suggest them then, they look then at fitting in the necessary time uh, to do their homework, study and revision. And I believe that does work, you know, and every every student is different and it's a different plan for each student. But I think if that structure is brought to it, mm. they then know exactly where they stand and it's easier then to incorporate everything. Now, the school timetable runs from, what, nine until four half, on average, half yeah, three, yeah, four. Yeah, yeah. And that's set in yeah. stone. Can you, or should you, Tony, have a timetable at home that is set in stone. I definitely think so, PJ. And, you know, with with all the students I've worked with over the last 13 years, each one has their own timetable. Now, you, 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 you work around, you know, dinner time, family things and all that, and it can be done, but you have to put a lot of thought into it and put time into it in putting it together. And I, I actually break the year up into 11 periods um, so that... The year is structured. And that's, you know, I do that for first years. I do it for six years. Um, and, you know, five of those periods are when normal school is going on. Like it would be the first half and second half of the first term. Then after Christmas, the first half and second half of the, the second term. And then the last term. So there's five and it's the bulk of the year. So I call that the regular work schedule. So that's when you'd have, they'd have their timetable for doing their homework study and revision at home from Monday to Sunday each week, and then we'd have a special plan for the other periods like October, midterm break, Christmas, and, and so forth, um, and then the periods around these arms. You said Monday to Sunday. Are you a believer mm. or not in, and I've heard it stressed more in recent years, that yep. a student should have or be able to have one day in the week, either Saturday or Sunday, that is theirs and theirs alone. It's off. There's no school. Can you do that? We, you can do that, okay? Now, it's, it's probably more difficult when you're doing it for, for leaving certain students where obviously they've spent a lot more time. But 
everything is possible if you plan well. And I agree with you. There has to be that balance. They have to have this quality time away from their school-related work. Otherwise, it's not going to work. I go so far as to say that the, the other time is probably more important than the work time because I believe, and I've seen it over the years, that if you get that right, they get the work side right. The quality of work will be the best it can be. So you build into it, and particularly at weekends because, you know, I know the students' shoulders drop a bit when I say we've got to put in time for working there. And, and we have to do that to fit it all in. But there's also an awful lot of time off as well. And the, there's a lot of time at the weekend from four o'clock on a Friday to nine o'clock on a Monday morning. Again, it comes back to the structure, it comes back to the planning and you can incorporate everything. Yeah, I guess. We'd all here yep. on this crew, we'd put together, we'd put a couple of hours in every weekend across the two days yep. because you have to, to prepare, to prepare yep. for Monday. You, you encourage people to keep, students, Tony, to keep a work in progress notebook on where they're going in the year. Yeah, and I'll tell you how I came up with that, PJ. A number of students said to me probably six, seven years ago, their head is always full of work they have to do. Yeah. And it distracts them when they're doing the work. You know, had I got a solution to that? And I thought about it. And I, I came up with a simple concept of we've got to park the work that's in their head and write it down somewhere. So maybe in a little notebook. And for want of a better word, I came up with a work in progress notebook. And I've called it that ever since. And um, they simply write down whatever work has to be done but they can't get to right now. It might be what teachers asked them to do that day, you know, maybe to revise something. It might be preparing for a test next week. It might be doing revision for exams. It might be going over something difficult. And you just can't get to it right now. And so you put it in that notebook, and then that notebook builds up with work to be done. And one of uh, a big part of what I get students to do, PJ, is that, they do every session in the plan, irrespective of homework. So there's going to be nights or weekends when maybe they don't have too much homework. Maybe they had free classes during the day and were able to get the work done then. So this is the opportunity then when they look at the work in progress notebook, prioritize, do whatever it is that's in there, tick it off. And it's a great feeling when you cross that off. And it really, uh, students have come back to me again and again, every student that I've worked with, for the last, whatever it is, six or seven years, have used that. And even some of the students have come back to me and said that they use it in third level. Later on, they'd come back to me and say, it's just a great, a simple way, but a great way of organising, planning and managing work to be done. Mm, it's funny. I mean, we here, we, I'm not spilling secrets from school. I'm sure many other people do. We yeah. here keep a document, a planning document. For, for what's okay. there to be done and stuff is marked off and boxed okay. off. as we And that is a, a skill, I guess, that you can learn in school. Just lastly and briefly, Tony, yeah. there's a lot of talk uh, in recent years in particular on the subject of homework yeah. uh, and whether we should have it at all in primary school and then in secondary school maybe maybe look at, at curbing it or, or certain ye- nights. Of the, how... How important do you think homework is, Tony? And the, 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 do they agree with the idea of doing away with it? Yeah, no, no, I don't agree with that at all. I, I think homework is extremely important. You know, I think if we think, if you look on it like you have to practice things, like it's one thing being taught something in school and going through it and all that. 
but a certain amount of work must go on after them. And you mentioned primary school. I think it should be very little, but they just need to get into the habit of doing a little work. And then the same, I, I apply the same thing to first year students, you know. Um, I just recommend a simple three half hour sessions with their homework. And, you know, it's not too demanding, but they've got to realise that they have to do work. You know, and, and when it comes to exams, it has to be done. And it's the consistent work spread out over a long period of time that really pays the dividend. So I, I would be a fan, but I'm conscious of, you know, the quality of life, too, and getting the balance right. And I keep coming back to that, yeah. you know, and I, I, I always worry more about students that don't have uh, interests outside of the school related work because, you know, that doesn't work, you know, that, you know, you need to have that balance. And, and uh, but definitely, I think homework is very important. Okay. I think it's a book for both students and parents. That was my thought and you've confirmed definitely. it for me. Thank, thank you very much, Tony Bellew. He's the author of How to Succeed in Secondary School, a practical guide. It's available in all good bookshops now. It'll cost you 15 euro and it's online at orpenpress.com. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes. The great taste of home. Cork. 96 FM. Something more from Moraid on the water in Blackpool. Uh, we got a message in from Irish Water. Since the repair referred to on Monday, there's been another leak detected. A work order has been generated. Crews will be allocated shortly on a priority basis. And thanks for letting us know. This was after Moraid notified Irish Water. Just for guidance, it's probably not a large leak. just happens to be coming up to the surface. The large ones normally go down. What on earth that actually means, I do not know. It's a leak and there's water everywhere. But thank you for that message back from Moraid. They have Issued a work order. God, lads. We've issued a work order. We've generated a work order. It's not just rings. We don't want to fix that thing up, Blackpool. But anyway. 0818 96 96 96. Ruth has read Austin Duffy's book, The Night Interns. Finished it in one reading. So did I, actually. Ruth, in one day, you know yourself. Heart racing. Typical hospital characters. And scary, the reality is so overwhelming, would give any doctor PTSD to remember just being in that position. Anybody planning to study medicine should read it. You don't say whether you are a doctor yourself, Ruth, uh, but that does sound like a very doctory analysis of the book. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Cope Foundation is looking for host carers for its home sharing initiative. And this is a program providing respite and short breaks for children and adults with uh, disability or autism or anything like that. And they're looking for carers to join this scheme. Now, Tina Dunleavy, you've done this yourself and and Liam, did this and took someone into your home in in 2020. Let's start there. Let's start with why you wanted to do it. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Good. Um, 
I suppose there was two reasons really why we wanted to do it. Um, initially was like we have five sons aging from 26 down to almost 18. And our youngest son, DJ, has special needs himself. So we were always had a busy house, had always comings and goings as a family do. But I suppose with five and one special needs, it was probably that little bit extra busy. And when our eldest son then left to live and work in London, we had a spare room. So that was kind of one aspect of it. The other aspect was DJ, even though he's special needs, he is an amazing young man. Mm. And we feel blessed to have him in our lives. And we just kind of, as parents of a child with special needs, we know how hard it is on a daily basis. Mm. But DJ is just, he, he's just amazing. And we just wanted to kind of give back to other families. What, what's his difference, so, Tina, if you don't mind me asking? His difference is he just emanates love, happiness. Anybody that has met DJ is just in the better of meeting him. He is a full-time care, but he's a fabulous full-time care. And I have worked in court previously myself before DJ was born, and little did I ever think I'd need the services of it. And I do, and we're very grateful to Core Foundation. But I suppose I do realise that other guests can be just more difficult and other families have it a bit harder than us. And mm. we kind of said, look, we have a spare room. Why not do this? And this is like bringing a friend in to the house for it, him. How, it, how long would you exactly. take somebody for, Tina? It can. It, it kind of starts off in, in the initial um, assessment. We'd probably just meet them for a couple of hours. But it's then once they are used to us and we're used to them, it will be always overnight. For It can vary from one night, two nights, four or five nights at a time. Yeah. Very rewarding. Extremely rewarding. I mean, it just doesn't even seem like a job to us. And as I say, like the guests, when they initially come to us, definitely are guests. But like we've had the same seven rotating now for two years. So they're like an extension to our family. We don't even see them as guests anymore. Would you have somebody all the time, Tina, or is it just from time to time? No, from time, like we do, personally, we do about 16 nights a month. But that's what we do. Um, so it's it's great. You still have your own time, but like we're we're kind of tied, if that's sort of the right word to use with DJ anyway. So it just means that it's DJ and somebody else, which is always a friend yes. to him. Yes, yes, yeah. You're 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 a bit like myself and the Queen Bee in that regard, and that our boy will always be home with us. Yes, yes. So you know what I'm talking I about. Do so like it's it's as easy to have two as one, and yeah. as well as that. It's it's absolutely excellent for DJ. He introduces all our guests and they vary from kind of 30-year-olds down to 8-year-olds. And he introduces every one of them as, this is my best friend. Ah, that's so, lovely. like, how how could that not work? You know, you're It works for us. It works right. for the families. It, it just, right. It's a no-brainer. Now, <laughs> people will love the idea. Um, but they will ask, well, how do I support this young person or whoever they are while they're in my house? It's a paid situation, isn't it? We don't get a wage, but we get an allowance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So from that point of view, it's the same as if they're going into respite anywhere else. They get pocket money if they're staying with us. So, like, we get an allowance, but if we're bringing them out for 
a meal or to the cinema, they they pay for that themselves. Like oh, I see, I see. Or you might decide to treat them. I know yourself. Yes, yes. exactly. Now, there's an yeah, information yeah. evening coming up, I think, or an information there day is. in the Metropole in late September. Um, Tuesday the 27th of September from 2 to 7. So for anybody that's, I suppose initially you have to have a spare room in your house yes. to be able to accommodate them. But other than that, if you're half thinking of it, just make the initial contact. It is so rewarding, so worthwhile. Um, you're doing, you're potentially changing the lives of the guests you bring into your home and for their families. And I can tell you from the bottom of my heart, it is the most rewarding Sounds it. experience that we've it ever taken on. And the yeah, last question yeah. people will ask, uh, Tina, is is there support there while the person is in my house? 100%. Um, like we have social workers that deal with us on a constant basis and we have 100% support from them. They are on the end of the line between nine and five but then there is an emergency phone after that um but your trains cope trains us well um there's a, a lot of work put into the families meeting the guests before they arrive so like there's very little to go wrong but as we do know life mm. happens things happen things can yeah. go wrong and there's support and to support to the so, yeah if you need it 100 right. support right. yeah all right yeah. tina thank you for that uh the information day, Tuesday, 27th September. It's a few weeks ahead now, uh, from 2 till 7. Or you can go to copefoundation.ie and look for Home Share to see, do you want to be part of that? It's their home sharing initiative. And you will be, there is an allowance while the person stays with you and they have some pocket money and all of that. It's lovely. It's a lovely idea if you have the time, if you have the space, and I guess if you have the inclination, and you'll be trained and there's support there. Thank you, Tina. 0818969696. There's been a, a collision on the N8 eastbound before the Dunkettle interchange off Slip Road. Motorists should approach with caution and use an alternative route if possible. Thank you for that. On the leak in Blackpool, Paul says, PJ, I'm driving through that leak on my bike since Tuesday morning. So, God, so it's not new just hearing about that burst pipe on Dublin Street two weeks ago two water mains burst in a week after the council resurfaced the road in Kilcully I had to walk to work the road was closed as I passed every member of the council working there was sitting down having a great time doing nothing all we've been hearing in three weeks is to save water and pipes are bursting all over Cork it's a joke keep up the work it's the best show on Irish radio. Thank you. You're very kind. You're very kind. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I see. One hundred three has been informed. We had another message about housing that I wanted to get to and get to the answer that we got because we did get an answer. We had an email from a concerned listener. Her daughter has applied for social housing along with her partner and children. But the couple have since split up. So the application went in while they were together. They've now split up and the relationship is over. And now the daughter is reapplying for accommodation herself. Cork City Council have requested a signed affidavit to prove she's single and no longer in this relationship. The listener was wondering, is that even allowed? 
what's that all about? Like how how would you go? I mean, particularly if the relationship had broken up badly, or relations weren't good. You know yourself. Where would you go and get this signed affidavit? Would any solicitor do it for you? Hard to know. But what our correspondent wanted to find out was: Is it legal? What's that about? So we got onto the council, and they gave us a a response. The assessment of applications for social housing support is governed by national regulations, etc., etc. It involves an assessment of all adult members of the household and their circumstances, etc., etc. Here's the key bit. In cases where a household's circumstances change, a reassessment is required. In cases of relationship breakdown, where there may not yet be court-sanctioned arrangements regarding matters of shared access, custody, etc., a joint sworn affidavit signed by both parties outlining what has been agreed is acceptable as an interim measure. Again, this requirement is in place to ensure that only persons who are in genuine need of social housing remain on the housing waiting list and our records accurately reflect the correct household circumstances. We hope that is the response. Well, it is a response, but we hope it explains the situation for the person who emailed us. It doesn't sound... It doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound that like you should have to do it. But those are their reasons. It's like a vetting pro. Excuse me. It's like a vetting process. You have to find out that you are helping genuine people. And then this came in. Hi, PJ. I'm working full time. I have two kids. I can't get a reply from a place. Never mind a viewing. I don't know why it's so hard. I've just no luck. I can't keep my kids overnight as I've nowhere for them to stay. I'm couch surfing for nearly a year. I'm on daft three times a day, but getting no luck. Any suggestions or any help? This, of course, comes in after Shannon's lovely story of getting their forever home. And to be fair to Shannon, she said, look, I know how lucky I am. I know there's people much worse off than me. So we were talking earlier about the energy crisis and how pubs and publicans are very worried about the cost of gas and electricity and all that kind of thing and how it's going to affect them. Uh, this message, my fear is tragedies in homes, especially in elderly people's homes. They'll be lighting candles and that'll cause more house fires. And it's all caused by the cru- cruelty of these price increases. There's a harsh winter ahead. We don't just mean in terms of the weather. 0818969696. Now this is Design Week and Jennifer Walsh joins me. She's Programme Lead to tell us a bit more about it. Jennifer, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Tell me about Design Week 2022. Okay, um, well, the focus of Design Week um, Ireland 2022 is uh, why design matters. And what at DCCI, what we hope to do is highlight issues around diversity, sustainability and inclusion. And um, we're going to promote and support events across the island of Ireland that are designed to link in with our themes and supporting design industry leaders and designers. And at the moment, um, online, we're doing a call for events across Ireland to um, participate in this national programme of events. It takes place in November, so people have have time to prepare. And I should, of course, have introduced DCCI, Design and Crafts Council Ireland. You're looking for people, effectively, that make their own stuff. Have you an interest particularly in sustainable clothing at this time? 
We would, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's a key focus of ours at the moment, just in terms of some of the pro- projects that we're working on, you know, because the textiles industry is quite linear, you know, so. but And it's not just focusing on people who make things. I think one of the key things around the design sector in Ireland, designers in Ireland are uniquely positioned as prote- pr- practitioners of user-centered design. And this is really important because user-centered design can can be used, applied across all businesses and, mm. you know, um, agencies across Ireland. To Forgive me, that's not a term I've heard before, Jennifer, user-centered design. What does that mean? Well, it's it's putting the user first in what you design. And I suppose you might have heard, you know, uh, application of design or design thinking and things like that mentioned it's becoming more prevalent at the moment right. and design thinking is is using that that applied design and and anyone who's studied art craft and design in ireland will have learned design processes because a lot of it is around solving problem how, how do i make this chair so that it's going to work really well for the user how do do i design this system you know a digital system so it's going to work really well for the user oh so it's designing something that actually can be practically used yes absolutely and that can go to processes as well cultures systems you know kind of like just things and, and a key aspect of it and how it's, it's been utilised or people are looking at utilising it at the moment is how it can be used to face critical issues that people are, are facing, you know, around diversity, equality, inclusion, inclusion, economy, culture, you know, these kind of things. But the design process and how you look at a problem, break it down and find a solution through the design process um, is quite interesting and it's a great way of innovating for change. Who are you looking out to to bring in projects? Who 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 can do this? Do you have well, to be do you have to be a crafty type of person? Um, well, we're looking basically it's an open call out, and we're looking at everybody to just submit your ideas for an event, and the event can be anything from a fashion show to um, you know kind of like a seminar or a, a, a panel event or something like that where you discuss the the problems that we're facing today. But it's it's not just discussing the problems, but looking at solutions. How can we create a better future for ourselves? But also, we are looking at design practitioners who, you know, who 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 are who are actively doing things. You, you have architecture, you have illustration, you have fashion. You have so many uh, areas of design at the moment, and we're looking for people who cover all of those things and the problem-solving element too. Um, but really, we want them to focus on the key themes, which, which are diversity, sustainability and inclusion. There is support available. There is support available, absolutely. So we have two funding avenues um, that uh, DCC are running at the moment. And um, they're, they're going to include um, larger events. So DCCI have member organisations, you know, kind of within design and craft. And we're looking at, we're focusing largely on them, but we are looking for people who are not our members to submit events to. And the, the key awards will be five awards awarded at a maximum of a thousand euro each. And each of these will be assessed, all the applications will be assessed by an independent panel. And, you know, they'll, they'll be taken on a case by case basis in terms of what will be awarded. And we will work with each of the submissions as well, just in terms to understand what they want and how we can support them. If people have ideas, you have a website? 
Uh, we do, yeah, dcci.ie. And if you go to the opportunities section, you can look around our website, take a look at who, who is out there at the moment, um, kind of in terms of the practitioners. But also if you go to the opportunities section, the more information in relation to Design Week Ireland is there. All right. Thank you for that. That's Jennifer Walsh, Programme Lead Designer Week Ireland. Designer Week Ireland on in November, but now they're calling for projects and calling for ideas. DCCI.ie to find out more or indeed submit an entry. It could be making clothes, making furniture, sustainability. All that is the theme this year. Thanks, Jennifer. 0818 96 96 96. Have you got us on your smartphone yet? Or on your tablet yet? Or have you asked your smart speaker to find us yet? You can do all those things. It's really easy. Just have a smart speaker. Just ask them to play Cork's 96 FM. And you can download the app for your phone or for your tablet. And that way you can take us anywhere and listen to us anywhere. And listen to our podcasts anywhere. I'm just doing a calculation recently. We do the bones of 30 podcasts a week now on the opinion line, individual parts of the show and every day we do the complete show which you get in mid-afternoon so once you, wherever you get your podcasts and whatever you get them on, just subscribe and you'll get all of our podcasts, as I said, the last time I looked we were doing about 30 of them a week 0818 96 96 96 Can we just talk the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. It's an exciting time when your song lands on any platform, but particularly one of the biggest platforms out there, which is Spotify. And when it happens for you for the first time, it's a big moment. Jennifer. Hi. How are you? <laughs> now, help me How with you? your... Help it. Genius or genius... It's Jenis. Jenis, all right. And it's a big moment for you because Lost My Soul has dropped. I like it. I really like it. There's a lovely vibe to it. Yes, thank you. Yes, it has dropped. It's like, it's such a big moment for me because it's always been a dream to release a single and just to even hear it on the radio and just get people dancing and moving to it. So this is this is huge. Yeah, huge, huge. and Spotify's <laughs> big. And we are talking a few weeks ago with another girl from Cork whose song was picked up off Spotify to go on one of the biggest new music playlists across the UK and oh, Ireland. Wow. So how do you, I mean, how do you get a song to Spotify, Jen? As an artist, you write it, you produce it, you record it. How do you get it to the platforms then? Um, usually, um, there's so many distributors out there. So, you know, like you've got DistroKid, you've got CD Baby, and the list goes on. So it's just all about, yeah, putting your song out on the platform and, um, and yeah, just registering as an artist, a new artist as well with the Irish Music um, Organization. And, um, yeah, and just uploading it online and then fingers crossed and hope for the best. <laughs> but tell, me, tell me about yourself. You're, you're, you're based here in Douglas. Um, that's not a Douglas yeah. accent. Tell me about yourself. <laughs> uh, my mom calls my accent a worldly accent. <laughs> so myself, I am, my family has been living in Ireland for over, say, 16 years. But mm. personally, I have pretty much uh, traveled Australia, worked on a cruise ship in Disney, Disney Cruise Line. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I was a hairdresser, would you believe? Turned to a scientist. (laughs) Hang on now. Hairdresser, scientist, singer. Yes. Yes. Are you settling on the music? 
I'm settling on the music. It's 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 one of my big passion. I do love music. It's always been in in me since God knows how long since I've been a kid, dancing to Madonna, Madonna on the TV. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's big for me. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all been made and mixed and mastered here, has it? It has been made, mixed, mastered here in Cork um, by Coco. That's his name, and he has uh, he owns a studio called M Five Studios mm-hmm. in Cork. Mm-hmm. So it's such a big thing to have, you know, to have the opportunity here in Cork, I believe. So, like, Cork is going places with music, and I'm so proud that it was, you know, it was all made here in Cork. So that's a big thing, too. All <laughs> yeah. right. Well, really, really great. Yeah. To, I heard the song this morning. It's on Spotify right now uh, for yeah. people. It'll be on, I take will it. You it be on, will it be on the other? Will it be on the other platforms? Like, does it go on Bandcamp and stuff like that? Yeah, it's on, it's on, yeah. It's on Apple Music, right. Amazon Music, YouTube, and TikTok. So all the TikTok lovers out there. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's on all, across all platforms. I hope I got you dancing. I hope you were dancing. You got me tapping. Yeah, well, I was sitting down. Yeah. You, got me, you, got me, you got me tapping you got me tapping the table. You got me tapping the table. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a decent tune, Jen. It's a decent tune. And I wish you the best of luck with it. It's called Lost My Soul. That's Janice or Jennifer. So she's worked... On a cruise liner, she's worked for Disney and she's been in Australia as a, um, and she's now settling back in Douglas to start her music career and good luck to her with that. Also, can I wish the best luck to a, a dear friend of mine who has another song out today and that's Ruby Tina, Ruby Spilsbury of Ruby and the Nighthawks fame from a few years back. Ruby has her new single dropping today on all the usual platforms. It's called Young Again and best of luck to Ruby with that. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. that's pretty much it for today. Programme was edited by Fergal Barry, produced and researched by Richard Vickery. Look after yourselves. I'll see you tomorrow just after after nine. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. On Cork's 96 FM. I love karaoke. Do you know what karaoke means? It's Japanese for empty orchestra. Empty orchestra. Yeah. I love karaoke. What did you do? I did. I'm too sexy by right said, Of Fred. course you did. There's two ways you can get me to go to something. Yeah. All right? Karaoke. Free jam bombs. Or quiz night. Okay. I'll go to a quiz night as well. What about a quiz yoki? You have to I sing the answers. Oh my God oh. almighty. What have we just invented? Oh my God. <laughs> Cambodia. <laughs> <laughs> two packs for Stan. 1916 rising. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning. With no DC Cars Blackpool. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noldc.com. Open 24 7. Ports 96 FM. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health 
right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.